Anybody got to guess what's under here? Pie, brownies, pizza. Can you guys see it? Listen, this is absolutely fantastic. I've got one of my favorite things on earth right here. It is a New York strip straight off the grill and oh my. Right. Should I eat this, guys? It's really good. Listen, what do you guys like to eat? I hear some steak. What else? Pizza. So like, if you were up here right now and you're eating your favorite food, what would it be? Like, really? I'm trying to eat. Just a second. Here's a question. Like, in order of importance of different things you can be doing, where does where does finishing a meal kind of rank on that thing, you know? You've got a list of all the things you could possibly be doing at any given moment. And you're just kind of ranking them. Where does finishing a meal come in? Pretty, pretty, like how many of you guys put your phone on silent when you're trying to eat, grown-ups? Anybody got to... Put your phone on silent when you're trying to eat. How about turn it off? How many of you get mad? I do this and people get mad at me. If somebody's like texting while you're trying to have dinner. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At my house, listen. If you leave your seat and there's a piece of meat like that on your plate when you leave. And then you come back. Guess where that piece of meat is going to be? It's going to be somewhere between somebody's mouth and somebody's belly. I mean, it's going to be on its way down. That's because at my house, eating is a serious ordeal. We take it seriously and we don't like to be bothered in that moment. You know why? The reason is because we've got busy lives. We've got a lot going on. You've got a lot of homework, don't you? You've got school to worry about. Even during the summer, you've got one thing after another you have to go to. Grown-ups, you've got work. You've got to drive kids everywhere. We've got all this stuff going on. And one of the few breaks that we get is this one moment when we're trying to eat. Doesn't it drive you crazy when it gets interrupted? So if you'll turn to John chapter 13, I want to look at a time when Jesus' meal was interrupted. I want to look at a time when Jesus... At a time when if anybody ever had an excuse to say, hey, give me a second, I'm trying to eat. If anybody ever had an excuse to say, hey, I just need to take about 10 minutes and hang out and enjoy this meal. I can't think of another time in all of history when anybody had a better reason to do that than Jesus has right here. You see, this just isn't another day in the life of Jesus. This is right before Jesus is about to be given over to those who are going to take his life. 
In fact, we're going to read that it was already in the mind of Judas Iscariot to hand Jesus over to the authorities. And we're going to read that Jesus already knows everything that's going to happen to him. We're going to read that Jesus has on his mind this very night that it is one of his last nights on earth before his life is taken from him. If you want to put it that way. We're going to find that if anybody ever had an excuse to be in a foul mood, to be ready to just hang out, enjoy a feast, it is Jesus right here, right now. But when we look in John chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 2, here's what we read. The very first words, during supper, right in the middle of a feast. Might not have been steak and potato. In fact, we know it wasn't. It was a Jewish feast of Passover. And in some ways, it's a lot like our communion, except for in some ways, it's not at all like our communion. Because when they had a feast, they had a feast. I mean, it was big. It was real. It was a spread. And they're having this feast. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going back to God. Rose from supper. That's a whole lot to kind of get our heads around. But basically it tells us a couple of things. First of all, Jesus knew that the devil had already been working on Judas. This person who had been hanging out with Jesus for the last three years, this person who had been a close friend of Jesus for the last few years, this person who had a trusted position in Jesus' ministry for the last few years, this person who Jesus had given a position of sort of a little bit of authority, a little bit of responsibility, this person had been worked on by the devil big time. And he wasn't about to do some little sin that he could turn around and say he's sorry for. He wasn't about to eat his homework and blame it on his dog like some of you guys do. He wasn't about to tell a little fib to his parents. He wasn't about to pick on his sister. But he was about to hand the Son of God over to the authorities to be killed. I mean, we're talking about a major boo-boo here. I mean, think of all the sins you've ever committed. And if you could rank sins, which you kind of can't really do that. But if you could, this thing is big. It's major. If you were going to draw a picture of all your sins, it would take up the very most room. This thing is a big, bright, huge, nasty sin that Judas is about to commit. And Jesus knows this. The other thing that Jesus knows is that this sin is going to cost him his life. So that's the moment that Jesus is living in. And what he does is he gets up from supper. So he doesn't get up from supper and say, hey, hand me the big piece of chicken because I'm the man. He doesn't get up from supper and say, hey, guys, I need to talk to you for a second. This guy over here, Judas, uh, we need to... Take care of him right now because he's about to do something really bad. 
That's not what he says. Here's what it says he does. It says, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. In verse 5, then he poured water into a basin or a bowl and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And we can think to ourselves, now why did he do this? Why is Jesus doing this? But the scripture tells us exactly why he does it. And if you'll look with me in verse 3, we're going to see the reason. This is super important. It's the, it's the verse that this whole passage hangs together by. I mean, if you want to understand this passage, you've got to understand this verse. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. What does all things mean? All, all things, right? Everything there is, everything there ever has been, everything there ever will be in earth, in the whole universe, Jesus knows that God has given him all of that. And he also knows this, that he had come from God and was going back to God. Now that, that is big time. You see, if I were to ask any of you guys where you're from, like if I were to, hey, Lane, where are you from, buddy? White House, White House Tennessee, awesome. Y'all know how to get there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right up the road, right? Um, hey, Charles Dixon, where are you from, brother? Goodlettsville, Tennessee. Y'all know how to get to Goodlettsville? Yeah, yeah. Just sit down, right? You're here. Um, let's see. Who else? Somebody raise your hand. Tell me where you're from. Where are you from, Staten? Hendersonville, Tennessee. Awesome. I'm from I'm from Kentucky. I can tell you I can tell you how to get there. You just get on the interstate, go north till you get to the Bluegrass Parkway, and then you hang a right and you drive till you see the sign that says Harrodsburg and you go. No problem. That's how you get there. But check this out. Where was Jesus from? The weird the weird, weird thing that we have to get our heads around, guys. Kids, check this out. Jesus isn't from a place that we know how to get to. Jesus isn't even from a place that we can imagine. Jesus isn't even from a place that we can describe. But Jesus is from a place that's so much better, so much bigger, with so much more stuff, so much more just awesomeness than we could ever imagine or think about or describe or read about or dream about that we can't even here begin to talk about it. Jesus is from heaven. Jesus is from where God is. And so when I talk about when I talk about getting up from a meal, when I talk about leaving like a big juicy steak so I can come preach to you guys, I mean that's kind of a bummer, right? I mean, it's a steak, man. I mean, let's be honest. That's a pleasant thing to eat right there. It's good. It's, it's great. But it, it, it seems even silly to talk about it in the same sentence with what Jesus has already left at this moment that we're looking at right here. I mean, Jesus has left the presence of God. He's left the most beautiful place you could ever imagine the most peaceful place you could ever imagine, where everything 
every moment of every day, everyone is all about Jesus. I mean, we can't even get our heads around that. And he's already left that and he's come to earth. And not just any earth, man, he landed in the Middle East in like three to five B.C. No air conditioning. You know what I'm saying? No deodorant. I mean, this place is not the most pleasant place. If we were going to pick somewhere to go live, even we would not pick it. You know, it's not the place you want to be. So Jesus is not new to giving up something really amazing in order to do something that's going to cost him. He's done it all before. But he gets up from this meal and as a picture of what he's already done, because he knows that he came from the Father, because he knows that he's going back to the Father. I mean, for me and you, that might give us the big head, right? That's when we might say, hey, pass me the butter. Hey, you hold up a second. I get the rolls first. Hey, I get the big piece of chicken, right? But not, not Jesus. Jesus, because he knows where he came from, and because he knows where he's headed, gets up from his meal, and he begins to wash these nasty, been trucking barefooted through the desert all day long in leather sandals, feet. I don't know about you guys, I don't like regular feet. I don't like somebody's just got out of the shower feet. I don't don't want any feet touching me anywhere, including my own if I can help it. Are you with me? I don't want that in my life. Jesus, and you know, it's not even about the nastiness of the feet. But for us, it would be, wouldn't it? But he puts on this towel and he washes these feet. He did that even though the disciples didn't deserve it. And we use that word deserve so, you know, we just kind of throw it out there all the time. But here's what I mean. I mean, they hadn't earned it, first of all, and they weren't worthy of it. I mean, Jesus is kind of the big man on campus here. Jesus is kind of important in this room. Jesus is kind of a big deal. But he's the one who's doing what's necessary for everyone else to be clean. We're cool with helping people out, aren't we? We're cool with helping them out um, as 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 long as we don't take up too much time. We're cool with helping them out as long as it doesn't take up too much of our money. We're cool with helping them out as long as we don't run the risk of like getting sick or something. We're cool with helping people out as long as we're not in any kind of danger. We're cool with helping people out as long as it doesn't keep us from making the professional progress that we need to make. We're cool with helping people out as long as it doesn't interfere with our educational goals. We're cool with helping people out as long as it doesn't take up time that we've allotted to something else that we like a whole lot. We're cool with helping people out as long as we don't miss a bite of our steak dinner. 
man, when push comes to shove and it's a time when we don't really want to be bothered and it's a time when we've got something else to do or it's a time when we're strapped for cash or it's a time when somebody's sick and I might get that. And I, it's a time when somebody needs something that I don't really want to hang out with me. It's not quite as automatic, is it? And I'm not at you. I'm with you. And I, I understand because I'm just like you. We're the same. We're in the same boat. I had a cousin and I mean, everybody's probably got this cousin, but she's the cousin that I always, I always hated to see coming, you know? She's the cousin that just got on my nerves. The cousin who just wasn't really just like the rest of us. The cousin who, you know, if we're going to go do something, she's not the one that we invite to go do it with us. The cousin who, if she asks to, like, borrow my whatever, I, I kind of say no a little bit more often than I say no to everybody else. And, and, and the cousin of all my cousins who needed love the most. So one, I mean, just one, one day, I guess it was about 6.45 or 7 o'clock because I'm at my mom's house where I was living at the time. I was about, about 21. And if you ever go to my mom's house, my stepdad's house, anytime, anytime you go there, my stepdad always cooks enough food so that if anybody happens by, there's always plenty of food that they could be, you know, part of the meal. And it happens. It's crazy. It happens all the time. I don't understand that. Welcome to small town USA. I mean, people show up at dinner time at their house. So always plenty. And 99% of the time, this is really good. 99% of the time, I'm like, hey, come on in. We got plenty of food. Come get it. Cool. Well, this one time, I was late getting home. And so I was sitting at the table alone eating my dinner, and I see a car coming up the driveway. And guess, guess who it is? It's that cousin. And I, and I know about her, that she doesn't have very much money, that she hasn't been able to pay for her place to live, that she doesn't have really any friends. I know, I know all these things about her. But you know what? As she comes up to the door, this is me. And here's, here's the reason. The reason is because the fact that I might be annoyed for a few minutes was more important to me in that moment than the fact that my cousin needed a little love and she needed something to eat. Man, maybe, maybe I'm the only person in here who at times tends to love himself more than the people that God's called me to love. Maybe, maybe I am. Or maybe all of us need to see and understand the example of a loving Christ who gave up the riches of heaven in order to come and dwell here on earth with us. Who gave up perfect peace, perfect paradise, where people aren't sinning. Things are done in heaven the way Jesus wants them done. Do you get that? But he leaves that to come here. So he didn't value his freedom from annoyance more than he valued his mission. He didn't value his comfort 
more than he valued you guys. He looked at all the riches of heaven. Check this out. He looked at all the riches of the most glorious place in the universe. And he said, I'd rather have you. And he came here and he died because it wasn't just talk. He came here and died because he really meant it when he said, I'd rather have you than all the riches of heaven. He came here and he died because he knew that we were created with a bigger purpose than running around sinning and loving ourselves more than everybody else. Even that's what we, that's what we do, isn't it? And Jesus came and died so that we would quit it. So that we could quit it. Check out what he says to them. Because he knows he's doing something kind of freaky here. He knows he's the main man and he's getting up and he's scrubbing his feet. I mean, he's not like out of the loop. It's not like he doesn't get the joke. Like, dude, you're the king of the universe and you're about to wash my nasty. This is weird. He knows it's weird. But here's what he says. It says he comes in verse 6 to Simon Peter. And, and he says, um, here's what Simon says. He said, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, yeah, I think it's a good idea because usually it's in your mouth. So I thought it might be good. No, that's not what he says. That's what I would have said. He says, what I'm doing, Peter, you don't understand right now. But afterward, you will understand. And Peter, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. You can't be part of what I'm doing. You can't take part in this love that I'm offering to every human being who's ever lived. If I don't wash you. And Simon, he said, Lord, not my feet. Then wash all of me. Then Okay, I'm cool. I'm, I'm in on that. Then he goes on and, and he explains. Here's Peter, I know you're kind of freaked out by this, but here's why I'm doing this. He says in verse 14, if I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, guys. If you're my followers, no more hiding under the kitchen table. If you're my followers, then you have to be different from everybody else. And what that means is you have to quit loving yourself so much and quit loving other people so little. When you see somebody's need, you have to quit making up excuses not to help them and start thinking up ways that you can help them. You have to take yourself from number one here and kind of just move yourself down to about seven or eight or something like that. On your list of who you love the most. Just kind of kind of, come on down a little ways. And let's, get, let's get God up here. And let's get other people up here too. And then we can worry about ourselves. Easier said than done, isn't it? So here's, here's what I want to, here's how I want to close. I just want to close by praying for you guys and for me. And here's, here's what I want to pray. I want to pray, first of all, if you have never 
thought about what Jesus did for you before like this? Like if you've never realized that Jesus gave up everything because he's, he'd rather have you, that should change your life right now. And if this is the moment when that's happening, if this is the moment when you're believing that, when you're getting that for the first time, then I'm going to pray that God would give you new life as a result of that. Hey, you now understand the gospel. You believe the gospel. So I want to pray that new life fill your heart. And then I'm going to pray this. If you already know Jesus, then I'm going to pray that he would help us to begin to place others up here. Above ourselves. Above our own interests. And that we would quit hiding under the kitchen table.